So today we're talking about a topic that is very important to law firms that almost 50%, so let's say half of law firms say that it is difficult to collect. So from doing some research of what you've seen and even in your experience and just working with collections and AR and stuff like that, what was the first thing that kind of popped in your head when you started seeing some of those statistics that almost half of law firms surveyed said they have a challenge collecting? I wasn't surprised at all because I think it's a problem across the board. Like when I think about some of the companies that I've worked for, collections, especially more recently, collections is a very big part of it because at the end of the day, like if you don't have you don't collect if you do work and you don't collect your money cash flow becomes an issue because at the end of the day you need the cash to run the business so i wasn't surprised when i saw that law firm struggle with that because i think any company is challenged with that and when it ultimately comes down to it is do your customers like you enough to pay you on time do they do they do they feel like it is worth for them giving you a portion of their money when you want versus when they want to. And I think that was kind of what I saw, especially with the larger corporations. Every company is trying to conserve their cash flow. And so they're all trying to extend how long they can avoid paying you. So, I mean, I wasn't surprised. Gotcha. And I would say for me, it was a little surprising to see because, I mean, when you think about the nature of a law firm, a lot of people... When you think about law firms, you think of, you know, these are firms that operate on retainer, which means the client is required to put X amount of dollars into an account or pay X amount of dollars up front. And the lawyer doesn't do any work until you actually make the payment. So Mm -hmm. we're not going to start working until the money's in the bank. Now, of course, after working with several law firms and understanding and different states have different rules Mm -hmm. where let's say you started doing the work, the person paid the initial retainer. But the additional work that starts to happen, and let's say the person doesn't pay that invoice. Mm -hmm. And in those cases, I could see that happening because some lawyers that I've talked to have said that when in some states, if a client is not paying the invoices, Mm -hmm. then that's not a strong enough reason to withdraw from the case, Um, which can be a interesting thing. I mean, because when I can compare that to like with an, an accounting business, right? if a client, and even with accounting, is you really, I guess in theory, you kind of don't leave the client unless the, the, I guess you say the invoices get really, really old. So once they start getting like 90, days. 100 yeah. days old, and yeah. even in some cases, if it's more than a year old, right. then you really can't sign, you aren't supposed to do any additional work. Right. So I think- you know, there's this good faith kind of mindset of, hey, if we do the work, we believe our clients are going to pay us. But I was a little shocked at first. But as I started to dig in and understand how a lot of different law firms don't really stick very strictly to, hey, you need to pay before we start doing work. And I'm just like, okay, our collection problems seem to be, that seems understandable to me. You know, that's interesting. I never knew. Like that some states actually, I don't want to say don't allow you to withdraw, but basically say, hey, if you were to stop, if you were to stop like performing services for a client because they didn't pay, like you can't actually do that. I didn't know that because I guess what have you seen has been kind of the the setup for most law firms in terms of like when it comes to billing clients. So I know you mentioned, you know, first you start out with the 
um, you know, you start out with the the retainer, mm-hmm. and then after the retainer, hey, you pay. Is it progressive payments or is it kind yeah, so, of payment so, at the end? So some of the way that it works is, you know, you start off. A lot of firms when they, they work on that do retainer work is start off with a retainer. Like, hey, here's your. We'll do the consult. You pay the consultation fee, mm-hmm. and then hey, here's the plan for your case. We're going to support it. And as the attorney is working on it, the paralegals, the staff, you know, typically monthly, they're billing the client to say, hey, here's the latest bill. If the money is in the retainer account on mm-hmm. the or in the trust account, mm-hmm. they just pull the money from the trust account and then whatever payment the client makes just replenishes the trust account. Mm-hmm. So in theory, the money's already there that you're billing them for, they're just replenishing the trust account. Well, where you get into a situation is if the firm isn't sending the invoices in a timely fashion, Mm. or if, you know, for some reason there's a miscommunication with the client on it to where the trust account isn't getting replenished is usually where you start to have the issue. And, you know, from a legal standpoint, I mean, if you are, because if you think about it this way, as a lawyer, you have told you have gone before a judge or mm-hmm. whatever the 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 jurisdiction is, mm-hmm. and you've told them, "Hey, I so and so law firm am representing this person." Mm-hmm. So that is on record. So mm-hmm. if you want to be removed from the case, you have to typically from lawyers have told me you got to write a motion. So you write a motion to be removed from the case. So now in the court system, in the court records, it is documented. You are no longer the legal representative of this client. Well, a lot of times you have to give like reason for it. Um, And what some lawyers that I work with have told me is like in their state, if the only reason is, well, this person isn't paying their invoice, that may not be a reason the judge grants you to be you know, withdraw from that case. That makes sense. I think that is a difference then in terms of like other industries that I've seen, because I think if we're going to jump into just advice and tips, I would say the first thing is just setting very clear expectations because oftentimes, like even with some of the, the companies that I've worked for, oftentimes where the line gets blurry or where it gets confusing is there aren't clear expectations. So whether it was, hey, you know, you said you were going to do this part of the job for us for free, or this was supposed to be like a, a demo unit, which is basically like a free unit for us to try out the equipment, see if we liked it. And then we're going to pay you, you know, for something when we actually put in an order. So I think the clearer you are on expectations of basically identifying, um, you know, we've done a lot of like immigration lawyer stuff. And I like how um, some of the lawyers we've worked with are very clear about, hey, this is what it's going to cost. This is the expectation on payment. This is when we expect you to pay. Um, In some cases, I've seen where the payment is actually required before the filing, which I think, I don't know if if you're able to set that up across every state, but definitely I would say being very clear about expectations so that there are no surprises going into it. I would much rather know, even as if I'm thinking, if I'm putting myself in a position of a customer, I would much rather know ahead of time, Hey, it's going to cost seven, you know, 1750. It's going to cost $5,000. It's going to cost $10,000. This is the expectation on payments. This is when it needs to be paid. So that way there, there are, 
no excuses on, Hey, we didn't know this and we didn't understand this. So I would say if I was to, if I was to number it, that would probably be the first thing that I would say is just clear expectations on both ends. So your client understands going into it, like, Hey, this is what, what's expected on both ends. Yeah. And I do think that that one makes a huge one. Cause I think that's applicable to any business is Agreed. having clarity and, you know, expectations on, not only you know when they when they when they should pay, but hey, here's how often we're gonna send you invoices, mm-hmm. so they know that they're gonna come Expecting, on the schedule. Yeah. Um, and then also is like, hey, here's about how much. Now, I think that's why a lot of law firms are starting are trying to transition to doing kind of a flat fee approach. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes down to if you're doing a like a litigation case when it comes down to having to go on the trial, yeah. like it's very unpredictable what you're going to run true. into. So they may not do a flat fee on that. But mm-hmm. for some of the routine stuff, a lot of firms are going to a flat fee structure. That way the client knows how much it's going to be and they can have that clearer expectation. And then I think the other piece is, you have to actually send the invoice. Yeah. And that's where surprisingly a lot of a lot of firms do kind of struggle with is they're just not sending the invoices. And I think to that point also, and maybe this is like a good second point, is the frequency. Like make it a like I like what you said about as part of the expectations, like establishing, hey, how often are we going to be sending? How often are you going to be getting an invoice? But I would say not waiting until the end, like to build them. You should be billing them recurring as because if you think about it, the hours that you're spending in court, the hours that you're spending on the cases, those are hours that have already been incurred. Like that is work that you've put in. So I think I've seen a lot of situations where like people will wait until the end and be like, all right, this is your $15,000 bill. And it's like, dang, at that point, it's kind of sticker shock. So I would definitely recommend the billing like recurrent, like even if you're doing hourly, like bill I don't know. Maybe the milestone is, hey, every, I don't know, when we get to certain parts in the case, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, but maybe monthly, maybe weekly, like, hey, so that way it's spread out and it's not as much of a sticker shock to your client when they do get that one bill at the end, because that way you can at least make money on the work that you're doing progressively. Yeah. I mean, I think that that makes sense because one of the things that I've noticed as a behavior for a lot of law firms is this behavior that because their margins are really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, because typically with some service-based businesses, like professional service-based, like law firms, medical practices, even some accounting firms, where the margins are high enough to where you don't desperately need everybody to pay like right away. It's right. not like, it's not like let's say a, a restaurant or something like restaurant, your margin may be, you know, a you know, a few percentage points. Yeah, and with um, the restaurant, you're not coming in there and eating and not paying me. You gotta pay. Yes. You gotta and pay. so when it comes down to a law firm, because they have higher margins to where, and especially the the ones that I see the most guilty about this are ones that do contingency work, like a lot of them that do personal injury, where mm-hmm. you're getting, let's say, 33% of whatever the client wins. Mm-hmm. So when you get this big contingency check. And let's say you're also doing some family law work or whatever. The contingency check was big enough to cover your operating expenses that you don't really feel the sense of urgency to issue the bill for the family law work. But I think that's where you really need to have some really solid processes in place and Mm -hmm. saying like, hey, 
even though we may be good on cash, yeah. we still need to have solid processes in place so we don't get behind on these things. Because, you know, I've seen situations where, you know, I was talking with a, a, a friend that, that does a lot of work with lawyers and helping them in setting up their law firm management system. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she was telling me, she said that there are a lot of people and it was a specific story she was talking about where there was a client that she was trying to work with helping them get some stuff set up. And she was asking, oh, what's the frequency that you bill your client? And this person had gone an entire year without billing anyone. Oh, wow. And the way that they, and and she was like, well, how are you like affording the state? I was like, oh, we closed a couple big, you know, PI case, personal injury cases. So they've just been operating a firm off of no, that. No. And then all the other cases, they just hadn't built these Listen, people. So if I was to get a bill <laughs> one year later, from you for lost services. Yeah, we're gonna have a problem collecting that bill. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's I think that is the that is the exactly it, right? Is you have the cash flow, whether it's from the big cases like you mentioned coming mm -hmm. in. So you don't feel the urgency, like you said, to bill them. Like, of course you're gonna have a challenge collecting from a from a client after you've basically haven't built them and you provided the service a year ago. Absolutely, it's gonna be a challenge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and even so, like some of the the, the recent statistics, um, I think it was like the, I think it might have been Cleo that put out a report. And one of the things that they were showing is out of all of the bill, the hours that you build, that firms were billing clients mm -hmm. or they surveyed, you know, quite a bit of law firms. And one of the things that they were seeing is that there was a trend of about only 89% of the billed hours were being collected, which means that's like 11% of the invoices of that people were sending out Correct. just weren't getting collected. Yep. So, I mean, if you take a step back and you say, okay, all right, let's say if we are a $1 million law firm, mm -hmm. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we have a few staff and we're cranking out the work. If you're doing $1 million as a law firm, 11% is $110,000 that you've done the work for, right. you've earned it, yep. but it's just not being collected. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's it's that's a $110,000 of money that could go into your business mm -hmm. that you just got to write off. Now, part of the reason a lot of that does become, does happen is people, they don't establish clear understanding about, you know, how frequently they're going to bill. So right. the client knows that it's coming. Um, also is they just don't actually process the bill period. Right, right. Um, and then I do think, you know, the third one is definitely when it comes down, it's something that a friend of mine in Australia, um, when her and I were talking, which her business is all around cash collection. And she said, really, it comes down to something very simple. People pay who they like. Right. right. And, and I think that people don't understand that as a law firm, it's like, it's one thing to do the work, mm -hmm. but the also you have to ask yourself, what's your relationship with the client? Mm -hmm. Like if, if you don't really have good rapport with a client, although you're doing good work for the client, you might be last on their list to pay. That's true. That's true. I mean, I think the first thing is just, just build them. Like that's the first, yeah. that's the most important thing. Just build them. And for me personally, like even in our own personal finances, I prefer to get, like, if you're doing something for me, give me the bill right then and there. Let's, let me just know how much it is. Let me plan and budget for it. Because when you get something later down the line, you're like, all right, like, 
this wasn't in the budget or, Hey, I've forgotten about it. So, I mean, I think, I think definitely it's critical for me to understand, like in that situation, especially if I don't have a good relationship with you, like you're not going to be my priority. So I think I would say, I think having a good relationship is definitely key because it, like you said, it goes beyond just the statement of, well, I just did the work for you. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm getting a bill a year later, like you're last on my list. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to be like, okay, well, you know, okay. What, how do we handle this now going forward? But no, I think it's absolutely pivotal. Is, are there any other points you wanted to make on? Yeah. The- I mean, I think as a, you know, also a, a you say a mutually beneficial thing, or I guess a secondary benefit to really having a real relationship with, you know, the clients that you serve now, of course, if you're doing a lot of things like, you know, like in the state of North Carolina, if you get a speeding ticket or tra- traffic violation over a certain point, you got to go to court for it, where I remember I got an, I got a ticket when I was passing through North Carolina when I lived in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And within a week, I got all of these letters in the mail about, oh, I can From go lawyers. to court and represent you. Like, wow. you aren't going to, they aren't going to have, they weren't trying to develop a relationship with me. Right. Um, they, you know, and they're going to get paid up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they got paid up front. They went to court. They settled it. Um, I didn't have any issue or anything like that. But if it's going to be an ongoing relationship or if it's going to be a case that's going to last where you do need some interaction with them and mm-hmm. you are going to have to collect, I think of making sure that you have some type of rapport with them. That not only allows you to be able to collect, but it also leads to a very, very valuable thing called referrals. Yeah. Because as you think about growing your business further, the relationship you have with your current clients mm-hmm. can definitely open the door of whether or not they'll tell other people about you. So I think that there's a collection benefit and there's a growth from referrals benefit from that as well. That's a good point. The relationship and the experience are the biggest things because the experience is, the experience is what creates the relationship or solidifies the relationship. And the relationship it was, is what establishes and builds confidence and trust for them to be able to refer you to someone else. Like I wouldn't ref- want to refer someone to someone else and then it just ends up being a horrible experience. Like nobody wants to do that. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So I think those are some really good points, really good guidance. Anything else you wanted to add? Um, and I would say, I mean, it's a learning process. And one of the things that I'll go back to a, a, a quote that a friend of mine, um, Kristen David, who works with a ton of law firms, what something that she says continually is, you know, it is you have to create the processes and let the processes run some of these things in your business mm-hmm. to where some people get so busy to where it's like, I don't have time to do that and stuff. And it's like, that's where we need to take a step back. We need to create a process, yeah. simplify it, and then let the process run itself. Mm-hmm. So you're not the, I guess you say the bottleneck, or you're not the reason why these bills are, don't go out because you have a process in place that would allow this to happen so the firm can get paid for the valuable work that you're doing. Yeah, and I think it applies across all businesses because that was something we also, I had to work on in our business is just like automating our invoicing because I mean, sometimes you get so caught up with everything else. You're like, all right, dang, it's already the first of the month. Now we got to go through the process of manually billing them. But it's like for the recurring clients, it's like, Hey, just automate it and make it a simple process. So that way you're not having to go back and, you know, remember that this is something that you need to take action. So absolutely agree. I think processes are important. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Finance and Accounting Show. If you like what you heard, don't be selfish. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and then share this with a friend because you know a business owner that could definitely use this insight. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend, and turn on the notification bell so you get all the updates when we release a new episode.